Amen. Let's give our applause for our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good to see you here. If you're new, I'm Pastor Lucas Cunningham, and uh, man, we're so glad that you're here with us to um, our family day barbecue. And so maybe you had a friend who invited you, or a family member, we're so glad that you're here. It's your first time in a long time. We, um, man, we're glad that you have decided to join us. In your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I heard a story about three friends. They were on a hunting trip, and while going to the hunting trip, they crashed, and all three of them unfortunately passed away. And as they enter heaven, and they stand before St. Peter. Um, St. Peter looks at the book of life, sees their names in the book of life, and says, come on in, guys. You're in here. But I want you to know, though, before you enter and you come in, there's one rule that you need to know about. And the rule is this, is do not, do not step on any ducks. Not one duck. And so they enter heaven, and sure enough, there's ducks everywhere. And so they start to walk around, shuffling their feet. They're careful for about three days until the first guy steps on a duck, and he wonders, what's going to happen? Am I going to be you know, kicked out of heaven? No. He steps on a duck, and suddenly he sees one of the angels bringing over one of the ugliest women he's ever seen in his life, brought over to him, and they are handcuffed together for all of eternity for stepping on a duck. The second guy sees this and goes, man, be really careful, and so they are, and uh, sure enough, about a week later, the second guy steps on a duck, and the same thing happens. An ugly woman's brought to him, and they are chained together for all of eternity, handcuffed for all of eternity. The third guy's like, okay, I'm going to be really, really careful. And so he is. A couple months go by until one day, suddenly, this beautiful woman, she looks like a supermodel. She is beautiful. And the angel's bringing her over to him, and he handcuffs them to, together. And he's thinking, wow. And so he says out loud, I wonder what I did to deserve this good fortune. And she, she replies, I don't know, but I stepped on a duck. <laughs> you can study more about that in like the book of Hezekiah, you know, in the Bible. But today... Um, <clears throat> We are reading a story here in John chapter 3, and if this story happened today, to kind of set the context here a little bit, Jesus would have been um, going viral. He, he would have been getting tons and tons of likes on social media. There would have been short clips of him preaching outside and people commenting and wondering, who is this Jesus guy? Who is he? Who's this one? Is he the Messiah? Is he the promised one? Who is this Jesus? And so you could say that as Jesus was going viral during that day, he was gathering a lot of followers. A lot of people wanted to follow. They wanted to see. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And rightfully so. I mean, who would not want to be around Jesus? And so many... Many were trying to get his attention. And there's a Pharisee we're going to read about named Nicodemus. And in verse 1, Nicodemus, he, he wants to have some one-on-one -on -one time here with Jesus, and he's trying to figure out how he can make this happen. And so there was a man named by the name of Nic Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So it tells us a lot about Nicodemus really quick here, that Nicodemus is educated, he's a Pharisee, so he knows the Old Testament, he knows the Bible of that day, and he's a leader. Not just anybody, he's a religious leader. And so after dark, how interesting, after dark, not during the day, the Bible is specific here, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. So he knows Jesus is special. He's heard about Jesus. He's intrigued. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus doesn't go, man, thank you, or that's so flattering. Jesus just kind of ignores it. He goes, I tell you the truth. 
unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Whew. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but Jesus, to this religious leader who studies the Bible, who hangs out with other Pharisees, and let's face it, there's something you don't want to be called in Christianity as a Pharisee. Like, you're like, whoa, wait a second, that's kind of an insult, right? And, uh, and, and so here's a Pharisee who they're known, and Jesus, now when you read the Bible, man, and the Bible is so neat in this way, when you see Jesus, Jesus always had compassion and love for people who were far from God. But you know who Jesus argued with the most? The people who made him the angriest were not people who didn't go to church. They weren't people who were messed up and just an outcast. Those weren't the people that made Jesus angry. The people that made Jesus angry were the Pharisees, were the religious folks who knew better and didn't do what was, did not live a life of obedience. It made them angry. And so if you're here and it's your first time in church in a long time and you may be wondering, man, I wonder if God's angry with me. He's not angry with you. He loves you and he wants you to follow Christ. He really does. And, and maybe you came in through the church doors and maybe your excuse was like, you know what, if I go into the church doors, I better wear a hard hat because the roof might fall in or, you know, the building might, you know, messed up or something. You know, you're here. Nothing has fallen down. Yet, but you know, so far, so far. And so, notice what he says. Religious, educated, knows his stuff. What do you mean? Nicodemus, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's not getting it. So Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you hear the wind, uh, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, as we come before your throne, we're thankful that you desire to seek and to save that which is lost, that you love people. And there may be some who are watching right now online, or they're here, and it's their first time watching church or being part of a church service in a long time, and they may feel really far from you. They've come to the right place. They've come on the right day. Maybe a friend invited them and, um, because they're looking for a new purpose in life, a new direction. And I'm thankful that, God, that you, you don't require us to be perfect to be used. And that we don't have to have it all together for you to love us. And you do, you do desire for us to do right and to follow Jesus. And I pray that's a challenge to us today. And I pray that we will ask ourselves and let the Holy Spirit work. We'll ask ourselves, are we just a fan of Jesus, or are we truly a follower? And if we're just a fan, maybe it's time for us to get serious, because Jesus is calling all of us to follow him. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see fanboy Nicodemus. That's what Nicodemus is. He is a fan. He's not a follower of Jesus. He's heard about Jesus. He's seen, heard about the miraculous signs Jesus has done. And he wants to know more about this Jesus fella here. He knows he's from God. And so he makes it clear that he has decided that Jesus really is from God. He believes that. I mean, he says as much here in the first couple verses that he is from the Lord. Now, we see Nicodemus come to Jesus at night. I always wonder, why, why was that the case? Now, I don't have Nicodemus here to interview and ask him, but I'm going to speculate just a little bit of a couple of reasons. That at night, no one would see him go and meet Jesus. It would be one reason. He didn't want really it to be known that he was thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus. At night, he could spend time with Jesus without anyone knowing. 
He could investigate this. He could find out a little bit more without people whispering and talking. I mean, it's at night. You know, we have a lot of lights here um, in, in, in modern day history and flashlights, but being so dark, unless it was a full moon, you can't really see at night. And so it would have been much more difficult to notice who was going to go see Jesus. You know, at night, he could go see Jesus without any worry about it impacting his job or his status or who he was. In fact, he could go and see Jesus without him really worrying too much that it was going to cost him anything. I think that's why. It's probably a little bit of all those reasons maybe combined. And see, fans are happy to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't require any significant changes or negative implications. Like, hey, I like Jesus. I'm for Jesus. I'll cheer for Jesus. But I really don't want people quite really, I don't really don't want them to know. Because I really, there's some things I'm hanging on to, and there's some things that I know Jesus is going to ask me to get rid of in my life. And I really kind of want to hang on to those right now. I kind of like some of those things. They're not really that big of a deal, at least in your mind. But here's the thing. There's no way to really follow Jesus without him interfering in your life and him wanting to make significant changes. You see, when Nicodemus comes, Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. He doesn't say, Nicodemus, you need more knowledge. Nicodemus has knowledge. Nicodemus, you need more wealth. Nicodemus more than likely had wealth being a Pharisee. Nicodemus, you need um, a better reputation. Uh, he had that. He says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You know, today's world, many people are focused on their identity. Some are confused about what they are. Some think, you know, they were born a male and they want to be a female or vice versa. And some will want to talk about how they were born and so forth. And we live in a very confused world today. And, and, and you know, we love this. We love people. And people are messy. And so wherever you're at right now, and maybe it's not you, maybe it's someone you love, right? God loves them. He does. And he loves you. He really does. But I want you to know this, is that what every single person needs, whether you are, we have a different opinion about your identity, or maybe your identity for you is work. People do that. Man, men, we do that a lot. We think without our work, if you didn't work or have your job, what would be your identity? Some of our, man, some of our identities are wrapped up in our, our work. Some of our identities are wrapped up as moms or dads or this, that, and the other, or whatever we, our hobby in which we have that we're known for. And, and some of those things obviously aren't bad within of themselves. But at the end of the day, what we all need, we all need a new identity. Every one of us. And if you haven't experienced this yet, Jesus says, you must be born again. That's what he asks. That's what he says. If you're going to experience the kingdom of God, if you're going to be able to, to go to heaven once you pass away, once this life is over, to enter into the kingdom of God, to end up, up to have your name written in the book of life, you need to be born again. You may have your name on the church roll here. You may have grew up in this church, but have you been born again? So I've asked this question to many people before, and sometimes people will say, but I, I grew up in church. I did too. My father or this person or uncle was a deacon or a teacher or they, they were a pastor. Like, okay, my dad was a, has been a deacon too. Uh, that doesn't make you a Christian. and It doesn't make you born again. See, every person, and maybe you're here like, well, I, I grew up Catholic, or I grew up this or that, and I was baptized as a baby. 
that wasn't a decision that you made. That was a decision someone else made for you. And just like, just like Nicodemus, we can end up making the same excuses as Nicodemus and going, but, but I'm, I know the Bible. I'm, I'm a Pharisee. Like, I have clout. Like, I know this. I know that. And Jesus says, you must be born again. So whether you were raised Catholic or you were raised Baptist or you were raised this, that, or the other, and some of that can be all well and good, but have you been born again? I remember I was seven years old, and I remember hearing a story about Luke 16 and also about being born again. And for like two or three weeks, my little heart was like, man, I need, I need, I need Jesus in my life. I know that, that I need him. I know I need to repent of any kind of sin. I wasn't a great sinner at the age of seven. But, you know, and, and, and so, man, I accepted Christ at the age of seven. It may be a different age for you. But whatever that time is, there's a moment in which you meet Jesus. You know, um, as you, some of you know, you Bengal fans, me, I'm one of them. I almost wore my jersey this morning. My wife said I couldn't. And so I didn't wear my Joe Burrow jersey. I blame my wife. But I'm going to wear it this February when they're in the Super Bowl. And we're going to have a jersey Sunday, so I have it all planned out. <laughs> and he, you know, signed the contract. And so um, we're glad to have... Um, Joe Burrow, but if Joe Burrow were to walk right up here, and I said, hey, we're going to have Joe Burrow pray us out. I don't even know if he's a Christian. I have no idea. But if you met Joe Burrow and we had him here at church and he prayed for us, you, would, you may forget the date, but you will always remember, we saw Joe Burrow at Springboro Baptist Church. Like You would remember that. We all would agree, Jesus is far more important than any athlete. You if you don't remember when you met Jesus and became born again and a follower of him, my friend, listen, you may, not, you may not be born again. You may like Jesus. You may be a fan of Jesus. You may be used to going to church. The Pharisees did as well. They worshiped the Lord. They knew the Bible. But he wasn't born again. And so he was there with God in the flesh. When at night, he's investigating. He wants to know. And so fans, man, they're happy to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't require any significant changes. There's, here's the thing, there's no way for you to really follow Jesus without him making changes in your life. Now, there are also people right now who are here, that you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I need to, I need to quit some bad habits. I know I have some things I need to clean up in my life. I need to quit smoking. You know, I always tell people, like, smoking, you know, obviously is bad for you. Smoking won't send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there before, all right? <laughs> yeah. That's, at least one of the deacons told me that. I don't know, but uh, I'm just kidding. Come to Jesus let him clean you up. We do a poor job at cleaning up ourselves. We think, I'll clean myself up, and man, then Jesus will love me, and then he'll save me. No, he already loves you. He already wants you to come to him, and he will save you. He will clean you, and you will be born again, new, fresh. I mean, think about having a fresh start. People in our lives don't always give us a fresh start, you know? And some of them are our own family members. They'll remember stories about you, how you messed up when you were a kid. And you're like, I was eight. Like, give me a break. All right? Can we stop with that story? Like, whatever it is, we have friends and family. They may not give you a fresh start. Jesus does. The God of the universe, God who loves you, will give you a fresh start. He'll give you just that. And so Jesus, man, he gives a statement that, that really rocked the religious world. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a truth bomb. 
And this gets Nicodemus' attention. He's like, what do you mean? I don't understand. What do you mean? I got to go be born again in my mother's womb? Like, that's weird. What are you talking about? Jesus is like, ah, spiritually, Nicodemus, you know all these things and you're not getting it. And in the context, notice what he says, Jesus says to him. He says in verse 6, or excuse me, verse 5. He says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and of the Spirit. What's this in reference to? And you will get some different um, uh, interpretations of this passage, but in the context, born of the water, what do we say when a woman, when her water, what, breaks? We call it water. We know it's not exactly water, water. We know it's, um, you know, an fluid. And, and so, but it breaks. And of the Spirit. And he confirms this in verse 6. Humans can only produce human life. He's making the connection of, you. hey, if you're going to be born again, you first need to be born. That's kind of important. You need to be born. But you need to be born again. And this is something that only the Spirit can do. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And God is challenging you. He's asking you here today, will you follow me? And I'm asking you, are you a fan or are you really a follower? He's calling us one-on-one with Nicodemus. It's interesting, like Jesus, he spoke with so many people. He spoke to large crowds. But what we're going to see here is, I mean, one of the most famous Bible verses in the world was said to one person. Now, many believe John, you know, either he heard about this from Jesus or Nicodemus later on, but maybe he's kind of, you know, there in the background just writing down what was going on. I don't know. But we know this is from the Lord. And we see that, we see that Jesus continues to give Nicodemus a story. Now, I'm not going to read all of this here, but, but Jesus goes into um, something that would help connect this with Nicodemus being a Pharisee, knowing the law. He says, "Hey, do you remember? Do you remember the Israelites? Do you remember when they were in the wilderness? And, and you remember when um, God released those snakes and was the poisonous snakes, and they were biting people, and people were dying because of their disobedience. Now, imagine God was so angry with the nation of Israel. I mean, He revealed Himself, led them with a, a pillar at you know a pillar at night, a cloud by day." Pillar of fire at night. I mean, sent manna, bread from the sky to feed them. And yet their disbelief was unbelievable to the point God gets so angry with them. He's like, I'm going to let some poisonous snakes go in there and um, really um, take some of them out. And I want their hardened hearts to be softened. Now, man, I don't know how angry God has to get to let snakes out, but the first one, I'd be like, I repent. Like, God, let's, let's, we don't need to do this. I don't know if, how close up you've ever seen just a rattlesnake. I once had a family reunion yesterday, and uh, first one I've been to like 18 years because I've lived out of state. And one guy that was there, he, uh, I was with him, and he shot a six, six, six and a half foot rattlesnake. And It'll put the fear of God in you when you see a rattlesnake that big. When the, the head is bigger than your fist. When the, when, the, when the body is bigger than your arm. You're like, oh my goodness. If that thing bit me, it would be like a sh- shotgun. It would feel like a shotgun going off in my leg. Like, he was so big. So big. And God released these snakes out of their disobedience. People are dying. And so, what's so interesting about this story, and you can kind of read it here, notice in verse, um, um, let's start in 13. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. As Moses lifted up the broad snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Something that happened about 3,000 or so years ago, it's still on the back of our, all of our ambulances. You see the snake that's on the pole? Guess where that's from? The, it's a Bible story. So every time you see an ambulance, you're like, oh, 
They're telling a Bible story right there about God's faithfulness. And so God had Moses make the bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and if as simple as them looking, showing their repentance, showing they're putting their pride aside, they looked at the bronze serpent, if they were bit, they would be healed. And it was symbolic of Christ who would come and be raised up on the cross to die for our sins, taking our punishment, taking our shame. He didn't have to die, but he did. Why? Out of love. And so Jesus is connecting that for Nicodemus. He, he wants him to get this. He wants him to get this. And this shows you another reason why we still need the Old Testament. We're not underneath the law? Correct. Christ has fulfilled the law. But even Jesus connects some of the Old Testament stories to teach us lessons and, and principles even today. And so, so, man, Jesus was never interested in having fans. So much. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 14. I want to show you a passage. In this passage, when I first read it, um, I was about 13 or 14, I had to take it to my dad. I'm like, Dad, what am I just reading here? Because all I've heard my whole life is Jesus' love, and he is, that Jesus loves you. You know, singing that song as a kid, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I read this passage, and I'm confused. I'm like, what is going on? And so Jesus, his ministry is rolling. He has thousands upon thousands of people following him. And there are fans everywhere. And this is what he says to this large crowd. In verse 25 here in Luke chapter 14, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, Oh man, Jesus, tell me, tell me what I got to do. I've seen you do some miracles. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. Man, tell me, Jesus. You can imagine being there. You must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, the Cleveland Browns. Yes, even your own. Added. Okay, I added that. The Bible warns about adding the scripture. I'm sorry about that. You must carry your own cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. Whew. And I was reading out of the King James and the New King James, and it said, unless you hate your mother, your father, your sister, and on. Some of the other translations give us more of an idea of what he truly is saying. That the love you have for God the love that you have for him, by all comparison, should be almost as hate for everything else. So he's not truly saying hate your father and your mother. But he's saying, I want all of you. And there's some right now that you may go, man, I would follow Jesus and be all in. But what will my parents think? What will my family think? What will, it, it, it'll mean I'll have to sacrifice something. It means people at my job place might look at me different. It may mean that my drinking buddies, they won't drink with me anymore. Because some of the places they go and some of the things they do, I can't do that if I'm going to follow Jesus. I can't do both. And you're like, right now you're going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jesus is saying, follow me. Stop being a fan. Follow me. That everything else, your love that you have for me, will be as as you hate everything else. I want you to follow me. And he makes it very clear to the crowd. And he goes with some other illustrations in this passage right here. And he's saying, and the point he's making is don't begin to follow me until you count the cost. Count the cost. And listen, salvation is simple. It is simple. You repent. You put your belief and trust on Jesus Christ and his life sinless life. He died on the cross for us. He rose again on the third day. We put our faith and our trust in him. Simple as that. And he will forgive you and help you. But man, in some of our churches, and I love churches, I love them. We've made it as simple as just pray the, 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 the sinner's prayer, get your ticket for heaven, and that's all you really need. At the end of the day, salvation is that simple. Praying and accepting in faith, he will save you and change you. But we also made it like this. 
We've also not asked people to count the cost of following Jesus. You thought you said the prayer, and that's all Jesus really wanted, and you could go live your life however you wanted, and you were just a fan of Jesus. And I'm afraid, and I'm not here to tell who's saved and who's not saved, but you're a fan of Jesus, but you really have no interest in following Jesus. And you are mistaken. Because when you read the New Testament, when you read the Bible, you see people sold out for Jesus. You don't see anyone playing hokey pokey with Jesus. You, you see everyone dedicated, willing to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were all in. They counted the cost. My friend, have you counted the cost? And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is worth living for. He is worth giving up everything for. And what you gain far outweighs what you will ever give up. And he loves you. And he wants to save you. And some of you right now feel too broken or too lost or too messed up for Jesus to love and to use. And that's a lie straight from hell. Satan wants you to believe that. But the Spirit of God, and the reason you're here, is moving in your life, and he wants to save you. And while it's as simple as saying the sinner's prayer, don't pray it unless you count the cost. And Jesus says, I want you in, I want you all in. I don't want you halfway. Some of you know, I, I, we move, I'm from Cincinnati, but um, we were in Florence, South Carolina. And in Florence, South Carolina, there's this real store called The House Divided. It's a big store. And one part of the outside of the store matches the, it matches the inside. One part is purple and orange for Clemson Tigers. I'm not sure how purple and orange go together, but whatever. On the other side is the Gamecocks, which is like a... Deep red, scarlet red. I don't know, it's not scarlet red. It's, I don't know, it's ugly red and black. It's better than the orange and purple. But half the church was Clemson and half, you know, rooted for the Gamecocks. And I, didn't, I sympathized with the Gamecocks because they lost a lot being a lifelong Bengals fan. I've, I've been there. And the Clemson, you know, Clemson had won a lot, so I gave them a lot of grief. We had a lot of fun with it. And I gave some of your teams grief as well unless they're Cincinnati-related. but um, Some of you are living in a house divided, and you're holding on. You want to be a fan of Jesus. But on the other hand, you're holding on. You're holding on to some of the things you know you shouldn't be holding on to, and Jesus is calling for more. He's saying, I want you to count the cost. Count the cost. And so Jesus, he was never interested in finding, finding uh, having fans. He was interested in followers. And there comes a time in your relationship, with any relationship, there comes a time with you and your spouse. There was a time in which you defined the relationship. Where is this going? Today's a day you define the relationship with you and Jesus. Are you done just being a fan or do you truly want to be a follower? So one might ask and one might wonder, well, how can I really know if I'm a fan or a follower? You know, following by definition requires more than just belief. It requires for movement. If you read the Gospels, you will see that Jesus said believe, believe, uh, believe five times. And, um, but you also will see that he said to others, follow me 25 times. Now, belief is important, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that following is more important than believing. What I'm saying is that the two are firmly connected. They are the heart and wings of faith. One can live without, one cannot live without the other. So if you try to separate the message to follow from the message of belief, belief dies in the process, period. To uh, truly believe is to follow. So how can we, how can we know, how can we know, how can we kind of look at this and go, okay, uh, I know what I am. Here's what we can ask. Have you made the decision or a commitment? Have you made a decision to commitment? Like I said, Jesus said, believe in me five times, 25 times, I want you to follow me. They are interconnected, the left and the right wing of a bird. Without it, your faith will not 
fly. Here's the second thing, is what do we get excited about? There's things in life we get excited about. Our children, our grandchildren, football, nothing wrong with that, other sports, hobbies, so on, uh, making money. Like some, of is, some of that's not wrong. Some of that is needed, and we have it. Nothing wrong with getting excited about those things. Now, sometimes, man, I heard growing up, like, you should get just excited about football as you do church. Like, I'm going to be honest, I really don't want any of you jumping up and screaming in my sermon. I don't know what to do with that. I hope you get excited in church. Um, you know, you've seen those videos where someone gets angry because their team lost. I mean, what does that look like in church? And then they punch a TV. Like, are you going to, I don't know. But do you get excited about church? I mean, I get excited about church. I was excited about church before I became a pastor. I was ready to worship God with God's people. I wanted to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to be in his house. I want to hear what the Holy Spirit has for me, uh, and what the preacher's going to preach, what the teachers and the small uh, life groups, what they're going to teach, and how God is speaking to me and what he's doing with his word. I, I want to hear. I want to know about it. It gets me excited. It should get you excited too. Listen, let me ask you this. You might not get excited if you're just a fan of Jesus and go, ah, well, church is just something that I do when I have some extra time. Or when my spouse bugs me too much. Or when there's something special going on. And when you read the New Testament, you read of people who are all in. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to go to church in order to be a Christian. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, if you are a Christian, you should be in church. It's what we should do. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as a manner of some. It's something that God wants us to be a part of. Fans go, eh, I'll go here and there. Followers go, I'm all in. I will give of my time, my money, and my resources. So here's the third one. Is do you know about Jesus or do you really know him? You see, fans have a tendency to confuse their knowledge for intimacy they don't recognize the difference between knowing about Jesus and truly knowing Jesus. In church, we, we've often got this confused. We establish a system of learning that results in knowledge, but not necessarily intimacy with the Lord. Nicodemus knew the Old Testament, but he didn't know the Messiah. He didn't know the Messiah was right there in front of him, and he was missing it. Here's number four, is when you hurt, and there will be times of hurt, where do you find comfort? When you experience pain in this life, where do you turn? Some people turn to alcohol. Some people turn to weed. Some people turn to sex, pornography, whatever they end up finding, that when they hurt, they run to it. Some run to the refrigerator. They call it comfort food for a reason. And so for some people, it's a real issue that you eat and eat and eat because you haven't dealt with some of the issues in your life. And so that can easily take place. And some of those things have their rightful place or design within the parameters in which God has made. But do they take place of Jesus? And sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. When our first response to suffering is to turn to anyone or anything other than Jesus, and man, we do need our friends and family, by all means, but they are not meant to be our crutch. Jesus, Jesus is the one ultimately there for us. Heard a friend say once, and I'm not, I'm not knocking counseling, don't get me wrong. The preacher, the best counselor I ever had was the Holy Spirit. It really is. That's why he's called the counselor. So what happened to our friend Nicodemus? Nicodemus leaves Jesus. We don't see Nicodemus make a decision here in chapter 3. He goes. At the end of John's gospel, there's another brief reference to Nicodemus. In John 19, Jesus has been crucified and his body's being prepped for burial. And when they read that Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, this would have been extremely expensive during that day. And, I caught, and uh, make no mistake, this gesture cost him more than money. Because 
This wasn't at night. This was during the day. This was during the day where everyone saw Nicodemus. His great gesture of affection and devotion showed who he truly was and who he was following now. He once came to Jesus at night. And now he's following Jesus openly in the day. Christian tradition teaches us that Nicodemus was martyred sometime in the first century. And if you believe in darkness, Jesus now invites you. If you're living in darkness, he invites you to live in the light. What's so interesting that as Nicodemus, I could just imagine them sitting on a chair or a stool, or maybe they're on the ground up against pillows. But as they're laying there, I'm sure there's a couple candles that are lit as Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. Eyeball to eyeball, as he's telling him the story, Jesus looks right at him Nicodemus for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life in verse 17 which I love God sent his son one of Jesus is pointing to himself when he's talking to Nicodemus God sent his son not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And I ain't get up here this morning if you're far from Jesus to condemn you, but to point you in the right direction. But notice what Jesus says here. And don't miss this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. That God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near, near it, for the fear their sins will be exposed. And those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing, what God wants. Imagine Jesus telling you, just you, one of the most famous Bible verses ever to be written it was told to Nicodemus. It's something that is shared with us today. I'll end with this brief story. There was a young lady who one day was speeding through a small Georgia town. She was traveling 70 miles an hour in a 55 mile per hour zone. The police pulled her over and wrote her a ticket that would cost her $200. She didn't have the money. She didn't have the money to pay it. She ended up having to go to court. In the courtroom, the judge said to the young lady, you were found guilty of going 70 miles an hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. You need to pay the $200 fine. The young lady said, judge, I'm, I am guilty. But I can't pay it. I don't have the $200. So as the judge looked at her and says, Ma'am, I don't make the law. I enforce the law. And unless you pay the $200 ticket fine, you'll have to spend a cut the weekend in jail. And she started to cry. She's like, I can't afford that. Who's going to watch my kids? What am I going to do? I don't have the money. I, can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, and I just wasn't watching. I wasn't paying attention that day. Judge, is there any way you can show me mercy? And he's like, listen, the law says what it says. I can't change the law. I just enforce the law. And God will enforce his law. So she starts to weep, not knowing what to do. The judge looked down on her and pushed back his chair, zipped down his robe, took it off. 
He went over to the side, picked up his jacket, put it on. He walked down and stood beside the girl, reached in his wallet, pulled out $200 bills and put it right next beside her. Goes back over, takes his jacket off, puts his black judge robe back on, gets up, zips it up, sits back down and says, ma'am, unless you are able to pay the $200 fine, you're going to have to spend the weekend in jail. Ah. I see, I see someone has paid your fine. And God saw us. He saw us speeding down the highway of sin. He zipped down the independent use of his deity, put on the jacket of humanity. He came down, died on the cross, and paid the price that you and I could not pay. He picked up the tab, rose from the dead, zipped up his glorified body, ascended up to heaven, and the good news of the gospel is that the bill we could not pay has already been paid, and has been paid by God himself and the person of Jesus Christ. And my friend, that is good news. The question is, will you accept it? There's nothing else that will pay that fine. In talking with people about Jesus, I've heard it many times, Christianity is no different than the other religions. And I'll sum it up this way. Having studied them, especially the major ones, here's the difference. All the world's religions combined focus on either doing your part so you can earn your salvation, or you can be so good that you become your own God or that you sacrifice something in order to find favor with God, that you crawl your way just to be acceptable, to be loved by him. You can sum up all the world's religions that way, like just be, just be good, a good person, do this, and you can earn your way. You can find your way. Like it, it, it's, your, it's about you. Just you know, put on Pick up your bootstraps, like, man, work hard, do what you need to do. You can sum it all up that way, really, you can. Christianity is different in this. The Bible says you can't earn your salvation, you're not good enough for heaven. In fact, you deserve death and hell is what you deserve. That Jesus, in the form of God, was born like us, lived like us, came down to our level and offered grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. That anyone who repents and believes, he will save and he will change. And he'll do just that in your life. There's two things I want you to know as I'm done. There's two things I've prepped. One, we have a food back there in the back, and it's all ready. But have you accepted Jesus I'm not saying asking you if you just believe about God or you're a fan of God. No, no, no. The Lord is asking you, follow me. Stop being a fan. I want you to follow me. I want you to pray this morning and follow me. Now, we believe here that baptism does not save you, but it's something that Jesus asks us to do to show everyone of an inward change that you have been born again. And you notice, baptistry's full. And in the back, we have baptismal shirts. We have shorts. We have towels. We have everything you would possibly need to get baptized. And maybe you showed up here this morning and you had no idea that you even thought about being baptized. Would you like to get baptized this morning? And truly start following Jesus. Now maybe you've been a part of this church. You're saved, like you're born again, but you've never been baptized. My friend, you're not following Jesus. Oh, wait a second, Peter. How can you say it? Jesus called us to get baptized, to show publicly of an inward change. You're not following Jesus in obedience. But today can be that day. Why not do it? This is what I'm going to ask. I want us to close our eyes. I'm going to ask you a couple of things here. Just be an attitude of prayer. Say, Pastor Lucas, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus. I'm not just interested in being religious. I'm not interested in just knowing about Jesus. No, no, I want to follow Jesus. 
I want to become a Christ follower this morning. That's me, Pastor. I want to do that. It's what you need to do. It's a simple prayer. Simple. I want you to pray, or pray in your own words. That's fine. Pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I realize that I deserve, I deserve hell. But I'm asking Christ, I'm asking Jesus to forgive me. To forgive me of all my sins. To come into my life. To be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Now, people are in an attitude of prayer right now. They say, Pastor, that's me. I'm giving my life to Christ. First time. Never done it before. I'm, I'm giving my life to Christ. Is that you? Will you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I just want to celebrate with you. I won't point you out. Just raise your hand high. Say, Pastor, I'm giving my life to Christ this morning. Pastor Lucas, I know Christ as my Savior, but I've never, I've never taken that step of being baptized. I'm going to do it. We have everything ready. Everything's set. Every now and then, I get a wild hair, and let's do a spontaneous baptism. Today is that day. But God, I don't know what you're going to do. So Pastor Lucas, I, I want to get baptized. This is what I want you to do. If you want to get back, I want you to come down right now. I have a deacon over here to my right, Will. He's waiting right here. Have you, I have everything for you. People aren't looking. Stand right up. Come on down. Come on down. I'm going to give you a moment. Maybe you're a little nervous. Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, people, people will see me up there. That's okay. Jesus Christ, man, he hung naked on the cross for our sins, taking our punishment and shame. Come on down. that's anyone's daughter you can come on back and you can take pictures if you like that's fine you're welcome to do that anyone else right over to this door you accepted Christ come on down and what a great day to do it barbecue and baptisms like that's a good combo <laughs> alright let's pray Father thank you for your love for us Thank you for being so good. We love you and we praise you for the baptism today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.